It's first person. Huh. You can be me, you can beat me to the 19th hole. The 19th hole. You can be me, you can beat me to the 19th hole. The 19th hole. I'm at the 19th hole, fellowshipping with a few folks. My game was on, so I won by a few strokes. Cognac and a few totes. We gon' talk about our. All right, ladies and gentlemen, the round has been played. You know what time it is. We're back at the 19th hole. I'm your host, Warren Hardy. My side, my partner, sidekick, partner in crime, whatever you want to call it. Jay Reed, Monster Reed, Mr. Golfer Bro himself. Today we got a special guest, uh, Wayne Turner. Um, I'm gonna let him introduce himself. Go ahead, Wayne. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, Wayne Turner, uh, like I said, avid golfer. Thank y'all for, for having me. I'm good, glad to be here. Um, I guess I want to say from Louisiana, born and raised. Um, been here in Houston a little over 10 years. Been golfing probably just a little bit longer than that, probably 11 years. And, you know, just doing what I do. You got your card yet? Card. As in PGA. <laughs> Give me about five more years. I'm going to be out there. I'm working. <laughs> he like us. He got his bogus card. <laughs> I got a few of them. <laughs> Ain't nothing wrong with that. Ain't nothing wrong with that. Jay Reed, man, go ahead and tell us, man, what we um, what we smoking today? Oh, so today we're smoking the uh, Rose of Sharon Desert Rose, uh, created by Mr. Holt. He's uh, headquartered in uh, Austin, Texas, and he made this cigar for his beautiful wife, Sharon. It has a Connecticut Ecuadorian wrapper. Uh, Nicaraguan binder and, uh, and filler. I think it got some Corojo 99 in there as well. It's just a it's a great mild cigar, but it was uh, one of the most highly rated and sought after cigars. So I'm glad we smoking this today. Oh yeah, I like it. Very smooth, very light body. Really, any any time of the day. But uh, we're gonna talk about more about the Rose of Sharon. But uh, back to Mr. Wayne Turner, aka Mr. DoorDash himself. Absolutely. Thank you. Um, before we get started, I just got to say, any, anything that I say today, any comments that I make about DoorDash are all my personal opinion. They're not any official capacity or statements being made by DoorDash Incorporated, and I'm just here on a personal capacity, so just to make sure we put that out there. But other than that, let's go. Let's tee it off. So how did, so how did the name uh, Mr. DoorDash just go ahead and jump into that? So DoorDash now, myself personally, three years. Uh, DoorDash has been in Houston now, right at six, uh, and it's coming into the role. My, my mindset was to become the face of DoorDash here in Houston. Anytime people think about delivery and think about DoorDash, I want to be the person that they thought of. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, coming into it, that was a, just my goal of, of everything. Coming into it, just try to hit the running, hit the ground running and go as fast as I can, hard as I can, and try to make delivery a real thing. Three years ago, it wasn't. And today, it's, it's definitely, I think pretty much we're at, you know, when you think about how many people order in and out, it's, it's become a, a, a real driving force of revenue, you know, sharing the income for a restaurant. They have to deliver as a part of the game now. So that was the idea. So, I mean, so I've, I've known you personally almost mm -hmm. my whole life. Um, from what I've seen, man, you have a you have a knack for sales. Yep. I mean, I, hats off to that. I mean, I, I think that's a true skill. Absolutely. Um, how did, how did the, your, your sales background play into you getting the opportunity? With, with DoorDash, how did how did that kind of come about? I came came out of school in 2008, actually in banking. Hmm. Started in, with Wells Fargo, doing banking, and I did that for out of college probably like the first two years. Uh, and I had a fraternity brother of mine. Uh, shout out to Alpha Phi Alpha. Uh, we in here, um, and so <laughs> he was already in. Uh, he was actually up in Virginia near DC, um, working in sales and. 
it just came out just having a conversation. He was doing well. I was like, man, that's something I'm, I'd be interested in. I, I got to, like I said, just never meet a stranger. Have I'm real comfortable talking to people, and so that's a fact. He gave me an opportunity. Got me an interview um, for Centos selling uniforms, and that was the beginning of my sales career. Uh, literally ten years ago, 2010, yep. and uh, I've been in the restaurant space probably about five out of that ten. And so that was kind of how DoorDash came calling was through my restaurant background and, and also being here in Houston. Um, that was kind of where that started, and, and here we are today. I mean, so when you talk about the face of DoorDash, I mean, since you came on, we're going we're gonna to talk more into it, but pre-COVID, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you, I mean, your hand is in getting a lot of these restaurants, stores, getting – how can I say businesses to think outside the box in right. terms of delivery? Absolutely. That's that that was the idea of what I do is essentially having a conversation about what deli- third party delivery is, what it means to your business and a partnership of delivery and in house or essentially what you want to call this off premise, right? Traditionally we think about going into a restaurant, having an in in house dining experience, yeah. transition that experience to the home or off the premise, right? So even if you're not at home if it's just picking up and taking it to a friend's house, um, or even a capacity like this where you guys, you know, share food, you have food here, Absolutely. it's being brought off the premise into another into another space. DoorDash comes so, every day. So <laughs> that that was that was the goal. The goal was to how can we take that experience from the restaurant off the premise to somewhere else? That's good. A lot of restaurant operators that was kind of foreign to them. Yeah. The, the idea of to go was was really more so about eating in in the restaurant and then taking it home when I don't finish. Yeah. Uh, and so it was, it was. It was a. It was a definitely a tough road in the beginning because, as an operator, they're thinking about the experience. And I can only control it when you're here. Once you leave outside that doors, I'm no longer in control. Yeah. And so what happens yeah. when you when something goes wrong or if it's not correct, then I don't have the ability to fix it. Right. So that was the hardest part of the, the, the you know just the detaching of the, the food from the actual uh, restaurant. And then you know it just became a thing where once you create a need in business, somebody's gonna feel it. Absolutely. And so that's that's how the beginning of third party delivery came about, and it's it's just been really been a snowball down here ever since. Hmm. I don't know. Is there is there a space for cigars in that? You know, while you was talking, I was just thinking about that. <laughs> you know, during COVID, people would call and say, "Hey, do y'all deliver?" And I yeah. was like, "If it's a close friend or somebody, yeah, you in the area, I'm gonna do it." Sure. That's an idea. I don't know. You know, yeah. the, the, that's, I, that's, that's what we do at the 19 Hole, man. We try yeah. to, you know, it's about putting people on right. in in any capacity. You about to say something? But I'm saying the the structure and the when you think about the the vehicle of, of how we and the logistics of how we deliver can be put in any vertical, and that's how you end up with you know retail now getting into delivery. Yeah. What you know Amazon changed the game yes. when you when you think about bringing, bringing things to you on demand and yeah. right and right now they're at the speed essentially of two days. Some things they can bring you the next day, and they're getting very very close to doing things they uh so when you think about on-demand delivery that's like that's the goal that's what everybody's trying to get to is getting to you in two three hours right right that's so we can do it right now with food but the idea is to get to as many other things as possible right and so when you think about delivery of cigars it's not that far away it's actually very very close you guys already doing liquor well so the thing about liquor is you state to state the laws are different. Mm-hmm. State okay. to state the rules okay. are different, right? Yeah, yeah. So when you get into the logistics behind that, it gets it gets very tricky because now you can't just rinse and repeat your model everywhere, right? And right. that's that's where the bread and butter is. Is 
how I operate in Houston is how I can operate in Miami. How I can operate in San Francisco. Yeah. But when you when you talk about alcohol, it's not the same. Just right. Minus the legalities of it. The legalities is all of it. It's all of it. Okay. It's yeah. all of it. So I mean, so I read an article and uh, it said DoorDash is fifty fifty six percent of the market share. I mean, that's. So the thing about that's, that is that's, is, that's, that's huge, man. Well, third quarter, first quarter numbers out sixty two percent. Market share. I'm sorry, Houston. I didn't mean to disrespect you like that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> old, old data. Sixty-two percent of the of the market share in Houston when it, when it comes to third-party deliveries owned by DoorDash. Um, that just speaks to having the right restaurants. You can go and get a lot of restaurants, but if they're not getting any orders, then there's no market share there. That, right. it just that's just for optics. The idea of what I do, and that's what comes full circle, is is knowing the market, knowing the food that people want, knowing the restaurants that they want, and putting those places in front of you on a marketplace that you can order from and order from frequently. Right. Mm. So that's the idea of it, and that's the idea of market share, is is knowing those what we call local heroes of the places that I know, you know, you can have a, a McDonald's next to a mom and pop, right. but that mom and pop will do more in delivery than McDonald's because people don't want the McDonald's, they want that mom and pop. So And so it's your job <clears> to put them on. To help them grow it's their just to, it's just to figure out what people want to eat. Yeah, you know, and figure out where, not only what they want to eat, but everything doesn't fit in delivery. You know, everything that you eat doesn't travel well. Right, right. Yeah. So yeah. it's it's figuring out because everybody, not say everybody, everybody wants to have something delivered, and everybody will say that they'll pay to have it delivered. But then once it gets there, and then eating it and consuming it may not be what they thought it was. Right. And then that's how you get a I order from it once and I never do it again. Yeah. Gotcha. You only got one shot to make that, you know what I'm saying, that that, that experience worthwhile of doing it again Absolutely. and again and again. Yeah. And that's how you can lose people um, in the space. But at the same time, like you said, the world of pre-pandemic and post-pandemic has been vastly different because a lot of people who were traditionally, you know, I, I like to go in and sit down and eat in a restaurant, didn't have that ability. Yeah. So, you know, delivery was shut off because it yeah. just, was, just wasn't worth it to them. Now they've, you know, at this point being forced to have that experience, now they see the value in it, they see how it goes, and now those people have been converted. Yeah. So, you know, that was a huge uptick of, you know, people who were doing it were always going to do it. Right. right. It was those people who didn't have a choice, who were kind of, not say forced to do it, they just didn't have any other option. Right. And now they, you know, even if they, they may not do it as much, but those one or two times is how you gain that market share. So you kind of went into my next question. So is, is that what COVID did? For absolutely for the delivery business, thousand percent, one thousand, thousand percent. It it converted not only those consumers but also those operators. Mm, yeah, those those people who say, well, you know what? I don't care how much revenue you can bring into my restaurant, that revenue isn't worth the experience. And so I'll trade off having that revenue to make sure that when they come in here, every time they come in here, they have yeah. a great experience. As opposed to when that food leaves out my door, I don't have that control anymore. Let me ask you this question, and this is a, a purely, and I understand your disclaimer earlier, opinion-based only. Sure. You think the the option, not just for DoorDash, but do you think the option for third-party delivery saved a lot of those businesses? Yes and no. Yeah. Uh, the no being a lot of restaurants that, that they didn't have the capacity or the operational tools to prepare food for delivery. Okay. Uh, and yes, because... There was a lot of restaurants that were already doing delivery or already doing to go. Yeah, yeah. So it fit hand in glove. Gotcha. It was just turning it on. Right? So it goes and back going. to what you said about just taking the model and, exactly. and putting it where and it is. And that's fits. what I was saying. It doesn't fit everywhere. Gotcha. Okay. That's fair. Right. That's fair. right. Mm -hmm. So 
um, just for a lot of restaurants didn't have the capital to go out and buy to go boxes, to go out and buy to go cups, right? They didn't have the, the, the money it took to ramp that stuff up because orders were coming. Like, so you turned on, it was like, boom, 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 boom. Yeah. Orders are here. If you ain't got nothing to put it in, I can't take it. Take it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I can't take that plate with me. You know right. what I'm saying? So that was that was the struggle for, for some places. They had no idea this was coming. They had no preparation yeah, for it. Yeah, I don't think. And so, uh, yeah. and I'm then. Gonna, I'm not going to go into too much about COVID here because everybody felt it and experienced it in, in, yeah. in, Every in, in different ways. Yeah. Every industry. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and, then that was, and also it was a, a plot supply chain issue. Yeah. So it was like, it's here. I need cups. I need. You know, to go boxes, but I can't get it here fast enough. Right, right, right. And so, because everybody's doing it, and the people who are already doing it turning up their order capacity, so now they're controlling it. Because I'm, if, if I'm doing business with you, I'm getting a thousand a week. Hey, I need four thousand. Yeah, you never done it. You calling? I ain't got nothing. Supply and demand. Supply and demand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's kind of how it went for a little while. So now that we're coming out of it, it's a. Uh, uh, the next six months, the rest of this year is going to be really interesting to see the what the fall off. We, we're predicting there's going to be a fall off to some degree just because there's been such a need for people to want to get out. Right. But like, you, like I said earlier, those people who had never done it before are now doing it. They're a little bit more comfortable doing it, so they're going to stay. Right. It's just how many of them are going to stay. Right. Gotcha. Man, you're a little slow on that stick, though. I'm taking my time. I mean, you're doing a lot of talking too. So. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm I'm learning a lot, and that's, and that's and that's what we that's what we we try to strive here at you know at the 19th. I mean, you kind of already get the sense of you know what we're about. I mean, like you say, this is our clubhouse. You don't owe me any money on those skins, do you? I don't. Okay. I don't think I do. <laughs> Once you leave the course, it's dead anyway. You don't collect at the course, it's over. Touche. We're going to have to start uh, doing that. Because yeah. me and Mark got a, a, a standing. <laughs> but uh, I want to talk about something, too, I read. Um, I don't know. Me, me, you might have talked about this on the golf course. The concept of ghost kitchens. Yep. How does, how does that work? So, essentially, when you think about ghost kitchens, virtual kitchens, whatever you want to call it. It's essentially what it sounds like. It's the ability to create a virtual concept or a ghost concept that only exists online. So, and like I said, again, it could be rinsed and repeated anywhere. When you think about, you know, there's a Stogie's here in Missouri City that you can physically go to, come to, anything like that. You can have one in Katy online where... It could be picked up and delivered from that you necessarily can't go to, but it, it only exists on a online marketplace. Yeah. Yeah. So when you go to Google it, to try to get to it, nothing pops right. up. It's a ghost. Yeah. Right? It only exists online. Absolutely. And so the the idea came from it was already kind of in motion before you know, pre COVID, because it it was it was an amazing tool for operators because now I don't have to invest in brick and mortar. I don't have to go out and get a small business loan. To buy a space. So, so this is specifically for um, cooks or entrepreneurs who want to take advantage to get their food out there. I want another location, but I can't afford to build one or sign a lease. So I go into somewhere short term where I can ship goods out virtually. And so when you think about when you order anything online, it can be wherever you are. Yeah. Right. It's the same thing for a retail space or for a restaurant space. A virtual concept will allow them to be wherever the market is. So if I want to go into a new market, I can go into that market virtually. And then if demand is there virtually, then I can operate physically. Gotcha. 
So yeah, and that's and that's essentially what what started with people just kind of doing commissary kitchens. So like you said, just running out of space that I can cook into. Right. To where now it's being multiplied and and now you have very similar to salon parts. Mm-hmm. You have the salon parts where they have all the salons and the barbers and stuff like that. Like almost like the cubicles when you go in there. Exactly. All mm-hmm. So now there are places that are being retrofitted with kitchens like that. Right. So you go into this building and it's spotted kitchen over here, big kitchen over here, little kitchen over there, and they all exist online. And now they can be in any market that they want to go into and only have to sign up maybe a three or six month lease on a space mm-hmm. inside of a building as opposed to the whole building. Right. Or an in cap of Because yeah. uh, we have a few cooks, chefs here at the 19th. We do. Mm-hmm. That would, I don't know, maybe that would be something of interest. I heard them talk about it. I so there's, do like pop-ups and things There's like two that. in Houston. There's there's one that's, that's near... Uh, it's kind of right in the heart of Third Ward. Actually, it's 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 near. It's right off Alameda. Then there's another one in the Galleria. And the the, the name of the place is called um, it's called Ghost Kitchens. The name of the company is called Ghost Kitchens. They have these buildings and they're prefab for different sizes. And they do like weekly tours where you can go in there and take a tour of the spaces. And how they have it set up is is when you go in, there's just like lockers. And so what it is is when you uh, you order from them online. Inside of the space, the ghost kitchen people assign everything by number. When the person comes to pick the food up, they're giving what number for that restaurant. They go into that locker, they get that food, and then they take the delivery out. Mm. So you never see anyone. Yeah. Oh, wow. As a driver, all <laughs> you go into a space, and you just know what number to go to. Right. You go get your, your number, and then you take that food out. So, I mean, so the logistics behind this stuff is really, I mean, it's not nothing to, you know, just. It's very simple. Yeah. But it just feels a need. Yeah. Because, yeah. like I said. To rent a, a restaurant space in the Galleria area, you know, you're talking about ten, fifteen thousand dollars a month right. on a lease space, yeah. as opposed to you going to this to this virtual, you know, concept situation with ghost kitchens, and you may rent out a seven hundred square foot space, and you might be paying like two thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah, hmm. yeah. I know, like Golf Road, I can relate to exactly what you're saying because we are an e-commerce company, right? Right. And depending on where you live, depending on where the product ships from, so it could ship from the Detroit, might ship from. Uh, Las Vegas, right. might ship from Houston, just depending on the proximity, so we right. get you your product faster. Well, I'm totally relate to what you're saying. Yeah. And it's a win-win for both sides because mm-hmm. the third, you know, Uber Eats, Grubhub, DoorDash, they don't have to get involved with any kind of leasing or logistics space. Neither does the restaurant. Mm-hmm. That middle company is the one who's occupying it. They own the space. They're doing it. They're controlling where the driver's going or like that. DoorDash business is new as usual. There's the address. Here's where it exists online. Right. The driver comes to it. It's hmm. good stuff. That's that's amazing. It is. I mean, like I say, I mean. And like I said, there's nothing stopping it's, it's, a cigar bar for operating in one of those spaces. Yeah. And so now you have these these inventories up online. I order it. I'm in Katie. There's well, not, I'm in the Galleria. I want a nice cigar. Stogies is this on this marketplace. I order one. The guy goes in. But you sitting right here in Missouri City. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. There's, there's the owner. Yeah. Absolutely. So. Yeah. <laughs> I got personal contacts at all these places, so you know, because these are all these are all things that are important to my business. Mm-hmm. So, like I said, when you when you talk about being the face of something, that's what it, that's what I'm talking about. You know, knowing people in the virtual concept space, knowing people who are in the uh, you know manufacturing space of cups and and stuff like that. So when a restaurant owner opens up, if I can be a personal contact right. to connect you to those people. Now you see me as an asset, and now we there can do is. business, and you you know you see me as a partner, not as just somebody trying to sell you something. Right, right. But you're fulfilling the need, though. At the end of the day, we all doing business. Yeah. 
And that's what it's about. But the idea is, is if the business is, is fair on both sides, then now we don't feel like we're doing, it's not necessarily a transaction. It's just us doing business and we're partnering on doing this. Right. So when something goes wrong or something bad happens, then you'll just allow me to correct it and fix it. And you're not necessarily mad at it. Right. The, yeah. that's, that's usually where the ball is dropped is, is I come in here, I sell you something. I didn't sold you something. Yeah. And now you don't know if you necessarily see value in it or did I overpay it or underpay it, something goes wrong. Now you're mad. And now you're questioning your decision on what I did. He effed me. You know what I'm saying? And then now it's like, well, do I trust him? Do I want to do business with it again? And most importantly for me is, is will I tell him about my boy down the street or will I tell him about my cousin, you know what I'm saying, in the Woodlands? Because right. word of mouth is still king. That's, at the end of the day, the referral business is where it's at. Yeah. Because now when I come in, it's a soft beach. And now we can just have a conversation about what we're doing. That's supposed to now you're trying to fill me out and vet me out. Like, is he what he say he is? What is he really talking about? Yeah. Are these numbers good numbers? Yeah. Now you trust me because Jerry Recon said he was cool. Yeah. It's a total different conversation when you walk Absolutely. in referred than you do when you walk yeah. in cold. Well, no. I'm gonna tell you, Jerry's cool. <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> so that's just so it's a totally different world because the, the when you talk, when you talk about market share, the difference is is when you you refer me, I come in. Right. So now you're looking at delivery, so you call Uber Eats, you call Grubhub, but I have the personal connection. Mm -hmm. So now everything I say means a little bit more, has a little bit more value than what those well, other guys are saying. Right. So then when it comes down to who, who do I go with, you still may spend a little bit more with me just because you feel like there's more value there. True. Yeah, absolutely. And then that's how you end up at 62%. Gotcha. You need to relight that? Let's just keep going. <laughs> <laughs> we, 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 got, we got a long way to go. go <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, at the nineteenth, man. I mean, this this could go all day. But uh, we're just about at the turn now. Um, what's in the bag, man? What's in the what's in the in the golf bag? What's got a little bit of everything? So let's go. What's your handicap? Fourteen. No bullshit. No bullshit. Fourteen handicap. I'm. Which, well, well, you keep track of yours, too. Though. I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do. I'm, I'm a, Real golfers do. I could go out and shoot 85 today, and I can go out tomorrow and shoot 95. Thanks, Reed. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I'm at a 14. I'm just not consistent. Well, I don't practice. Yeah, I just play. We just play, but that's 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 fine. Though. So we can't golf because we go out for more than just uh, the competition of it, or more than just trying Absolutely. to be, be great at it. We Absolutely. enjoy golf. We enjoy yeah. the cigars out there. We enjoy the camaraderie out there. So. But I know this guy yeah. loves the game. So when you say long, long time you was with Nike. Yeah, I was. I was you know, the, was, the Tiger Woods era. I was Nike everything. But who couldn't be? <laughs> I mean, like everything, said, was, everything, everything, everything was everything. Everything was Tiger. Everything. Hat down. I mean, 96, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 96, 97, I mean, we were, we were young, we were kids, bro. right? I mean, I mean, like, well, I came in, I came in, in still. 2008, when I came into the game, I mean, that was when he was, you know, my pure dominance, 2008, you yeah. know, and so, but currently, I got driver, driver wood, hybrid, I got tour edge, uh, 220, impressive, um, Irons, I got Mizuno. I know he works for DoorDash, but he should be a tour edge rep too. <laughs> it's just the, it's just the best driver on the market, man. It is. We it's talk, just a beautiful club. When you it talk really about is. the you know performance, mm -hmm. it perform at the, and at the price point. Yeah, you know you just can't get better than that, man. Right. And then uh, I was looking at <laughs> irons. I got a uh, Mizuno 921 hot metal. Uh, my wedge, I got basically I got a, a Mizuno sandwich to the set, but then I got a 58. Degree Callaway Mag Daddy, 
And then I just got the, I just put the uh, TaylorMade Spider putter in the bag. So, like I said, once I left the Nike thing, I was like, whatever club get the job done. I, at that point, the brands became non existent to yeah, me. Absolutely. It was just whatever one worked. So, like I said, I got five brands in the bag. Yeah. So, replays was who knows, too. It's a, now, I hit them all. When I got fit, I hit them all. TaylorMade, uh, Callaway, Titleist. What's, what's the what's one I'm missing? Um, Ping. Ping. And I even hit them, what is the Hamnas? Yeah. I hit yeah, them Hamnas. Yeah. And, the, and the one that performed the most consistently, and even with the furthest, was that, uh, was that Mizuno. They so it was, a, it was a no brainer. It was like a 10 yard yeah, difference. Like hitting, hit that thing is like butter. <laughs> you know, that's, that's true. Because um, I, I got fitted just around the time. Me, him, my brother in law, yeah. another good friend of ours. It was like four folks that we were playing with all went and just, you know what, we're going to get new clubs. Screw it. Let's, let's go do it. And for me, when I got fitted, it came down to. Top three, the Mizunos was in was in my top three. Um, so was the 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 Titleist. Um, I forget. I just know it was it had a black finish on it. A something. I forgot. Um, don't hold that against me. Any Titleist reps out there? I just couldn't remember. And but I went down. I went. I went with the pink. The, the seven thirteen. Beautiful club. Yeah. And the and the cool thing about that is, is like you said. All four of us went, got fitted, and everybody landed on a different club. Yeah, right. You know, Jeremy went with the uh, the Cobras. He went with the Cobras. Yep. You know, Joe ended up with Taylor May, and like I said, you with the with the Pins, and then I came up with a Mizuno. So, and then Milton ended up with a Callaway. Mm. Right. So you know, all the guys that I played with played different irons. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm yeah. saying? So yeah. I think it's the same with our group. I don't know anyone who plays the same set. Whether it's a driver, a wood, or iron, and anybody right. in our group. But that's a beautiful, beautiful I know. thing about golf, though. Right. right. Yeah, that's what yeah. It's, it's tailored to you. Yeah, it's it's personal. Same as cigars. Same as cigars. Yeah. I know Rob plays that ping driver, and he says he hates it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's an expensive hate. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. You know, he hates it. <laughs> Shout out to my boy. Rob. <laughs> That's every, golf, though, man. You, every, it's a love-hate, you know, type relationship. Because every time I hit mine and I shank it, he tells me, man, I, that's why I hate it, Warren. Swing mine. <laughs> and then we, you know, what, I'm like, no, I got I to gotta keep going. Um, so you're, you're on the Mizunos now. Have you, you got them dialed in yet? Absolutely. It's the club. I, I don't see myself buying another iron, you know, until I get on tour and I get the blades, you know. I do my thing. <laughs> That's you know. That's when Mizuno will fly me out, you know, and fit me up. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. But I don't see my, I don't see myself making a bag, anything in my bag, to change, you know, for the foreseeable future. I, I got, I'm where I'm at with my game, and I and I get what I get. If I practice more, I could probably be better. But it's one of those things where I'm very comfortable with what I shoot, and, and how I shoot, and I just, I just live with. Yep. You know, Same I just enjoy thing. the game. I mean. Yep. It's one of those things where I was in there for a moment where I got kind of obsessed with it and I was, you know, trainers and coaches and trying to do all of that. And I got my game down to a certain level, but then it's like, man, all this work. Yeah. I don't get paid to do this. Right. <laughs> like, Absolutely. Absolutely. So it was an addiction. I mean, it was at the point where, you it know, online. I was. Trying to get everything, you know, yeah. all these training tools. And so. I've been there. So, I mean, it, like I said, it, but it was, it still at the end of the day, it was fun. And, and golf was something I picked up literally out of just being bored when I, uh, when I graduated. My wife hadn't finished yet, so she had a semester left. I just remember I was in Lafayette driving, and I passed the driving range. And I was like, man, you know what? I got nothing to do. Went to Walmart, got me a $20 driver, went back to that driving range, 
and I've been hooked ever since. It was like a hitting that driver that first time. It was just like it's like a high you trying to chase. Yeah. I want. I, yeah. I got to hit that shot. Hit That's that right. shot. Hit that shot. Because yeah. I will say, if it, we got a cousin that lives in Canada, his name's Fred. Between Fred always coming home, You're talking about talking it. to us mm-hmm. about man, y'all got to do it. Y'all got to do it. Because yeah. like I say we, you know, we in the country. Yeah, just hit balls. He'd come down, show off, got his clubs, and it was like, then he got it, and it was like Warren. You got to do it. Like I say, this is 07, yeah. 08 time 08. frame. Mm-hmm. Right before I came to Houston. And it was like, all right, I'm hooked. I did the same thing. I went to Dick's. I bought a $100 set. Wilson set. I don't know what it was. I mean, I just know it was a box Driving set. Driving through the puddle. It was yeah. a box set. <laughs> yeah. And that was it. And the next thing you know, I'm buying. He got the slingshots. I got the slingshots. Yeah, that's when the Nike thing started. He had the Nike driver. And all, he was fully Nike down. Oh, yeah, I had that red covert driver. Man. He got rid of his, didn't he, on the field? He did. Yeah. He had a covert. He had the blue one. Yeah. But then he, then he, he upgraded. Club, man. Yeah. Like, we're going to get him on here, too. Um, and then I think after that, I got hooked on TaylorMade. Bad. Same, man. <laughs> I was, was Taylor. You couldn't tell me shit. Yeah. Nothing else. Mm-hmm. If it ain't TaylorMade, I don't want it. Right. Because an old school cat put a put an R11 in my hand. And... I started swinging that, and then the rocket balls came, which yep. are loaded. I bought the whole set. Mm. <laughs> I still have that set. And then I went to the uh, TaylorMade RSI 1s. Yep. So, man, we've been through some clubs. I've been yeah, through a lot yeah. of clubs. I spent some money on this game, man. I just spent some money on this game. I spent some money on this game. <laughs> <laughs> but I know, that's, that's one thing I, I don't regret, though. No. It's not yeah. like I buy them and right. I'm like, shit, I should have I went and bought this. No, it's yeah. like I got what I got because I wanted it. Right. I'm going to play with it. Even if it takes me a while to dial them in, I'm still going to play with it. Absolutely. So I, I, I can't. I don't know. I bought those pings, but I heard Taylor May releasing that RBZ again. So mm-hmm. I, I don't Damn. know. I could be. I could be <laughs> but I love my pings, though. I, I love them. But I also have Titleist in the bag, too. Uh, my wedges, my putter, Titleist. And I think I'm going to just stay with them. Yeah. I, I can't. Because your short game is nice. Yeah. You have a good short game. I appreciate yeah, it. You just got to get off that team a little bit more consistently. I'm struggling. Yeah. But, we yeah. don't get you there. Get that tour edge in the back, man. I can't <laughs> say it enough. <laughs> but I was thinking about that tour edge, man. I, I chose uh, the Callaway Maverick over the tour edge. I upgraded from my, from my tailor-made and mm-hmm. one that I had. And, man, but you got a hell of a shaft, though, on that drive. Yeah. That shaft makes a big difference. And that's yeah, absolutely. I think a lot of people overlook is that me, shaft. Me, my boy Jerry, my boy Miller, guys I play with weekly, we all have the Tour Edge 220 driver, but we all have a different shaft. So it's, 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 it's something that people don't think about. Right. Yeah. yeah. But it's, it's so important. It can be the difference between whether you, how you hit it, Absolutely. how far you hit it, whether it goes left or right. Having the right shaft on the driver can make the difference of hitting your ball where you want it to be. I agree. 100%. Having that kind of control. And yeah. so, you know, that's, that's, that's the biggest thing. When, when I really started, when I got away from Nike, it was like, okay, I'm a, I've been blinded for so long. Let me look at everything. Right. Right. And yeah. so, and that's where I'm at today with, with that, uh, with that tour. It's just it's one of the things where a guy, when I got fitted, he was like, I hit all, hit all of them. Right. Taylor made all of them. He was like, don't look down. He was like, just try it. Yeah. And I remember, and I was like, man, what is this got to be that new title? He was like, man, this is a tour edge. I'm like, what is a tour edge? <laughs> is that the name? Right. What, is a tour edge? Like, what, is a, what is a tour edge? He was like, but you like it though. And I was like, I didn't want to like it. I was like, I, I like it. I like it. And like I said, and I've been hitting that. I, this is my second one. Um, 
yep. sense. And like I said, and then the, that bled into the three wood, and that yep. bled into the hybrid. And right. so, um, have you ever hit the Mizuno driver? I have not. I haven't either. I keep hearing about I, it. I, well, I hit it a few it, times when I was getting fitted. I hit it a few times, but like it just to actually, I've never outside of these irons. I've never really, like I said, no. Uh, like I said, when Warren was Mr. TaylorMade, I hit the that R11 because that was when that. It was white. I was, was TaylorMade white. was the first person to start like changing the yeah, colors yeah, that he dropped. Yeah. And so uh, when they put that white R11, it was like, because I think, because Eric had it. My boy Eric yeah, was playing. Yeah, he had it. And so it was, it was a pretty good driver, but that's when I was still Team Nike. So I went from the covert. He wasn't trying to hear it. <laughs> I went from the, from the red one to the blue one. If it didn't have a swoosh on it, he'd be like, oh, it's nice. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I mean, he <laughs> that's all I got is the clothes. Yeah. But yeah, it's okay, we're gonna get you some absolutely. But yeah, so I mean, it's one of those things, that, and that's where I'm at with my game now. I, I don't really stay my loyalty is to my game, not to the to the actual brand, right? right? Yeah, so I agree. whatever gets me to the end, whatever, yeah. the, whatever the means are to the end, I'm, I'm about that. Like we, that. We were at the PGA Superstore when we were going oh. through that phase, right? And uh. <laughs> He was like, man, you may not want to, but just try the to tour edge. I was going to say, he should be a rep for them, too. You know, not trying to mess up what you got going with DoorDash and like that. But he was like, man, just hit it. So I teed it up. He was like, man, spread your legs a little bit and, and really get down on it. Yeah. First one out the gate. Mm. Mine went like 260. Man. And then, club. And I'm still struggling with my drive, but I'm I'm cranking this tour edge on the simulator. I'm like, man, it's the proof is in the pudding. True. Now, I struggled with it when we went to Wildcat, like we a, week, a week later. Everybody struggles with Wildcat, period. <laughs> Everybody. Everybody struggles with Wildcat, period. Wildcat's a challenge. Man, I want to uh, circle back to you something on DoorDash. Uh, between, you know, restaurants, grocery stores, um, you know, I, know, I know there are some, some places that utilize DoorDash for liquor. Some. Yeah. Um, I know I do it. I get it from Total Wine. Yep. When they when they do it, and they got the best deal, by the way. That nine ninety nine delivery <laughs> can't, no. really can't beat that. Right. Um, what else is out there? I mean, what do you envision? It goes, I mean, it where, goes, what, goes what, back to what I said before, man. It's a it's a model that that can work in any vertical. It's just mm -hmm. all about whether that particular you want to call it operation is designed or is willing to redesign what they're doing to 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 to, to work to redesign the model like yeah. at the end of the day but like you said, but you don't envision um so it's endless let me tee this up i saw an article um as i was prepping for this show i think you actually showed it to me where they're doing they're doing covid testing packs yeah so that's what i'm saying what because the, the, because the manufacturer has you know, built in a process that fits the model. It's mm -hmm. everything is, is on demand. It's whatever the we, model fits. When you, when you think about the marketplace, that's that's what it is. Being able to order it online, have a place where the driver can come, and pick it up, and then take it to where it goes. How simple is that? All that it is. You know, c creating a space for the the product not to be packaged properly for delivery, and the space for it to be picked up. That's really all that it is. Ninety percent of it, of things that don't do it, is just they don't want to. Mm -hmm. No desire for anybody else to come in here and take it with them. When you come in here to get it, you come in here to get it. Right. right. As opposed to building out a space for somebody to come in here, get it, and take it with them. Right. And package properly because you got to think about the idea of it being with someone else. You don't want it exposed. You don't want it open. 
tamper-proof mm. and things like that. Right. Yeah. So especially we talk about something like a COVID test, right? So, you know, it's just stuff like that to make sure that it's done properly. That's all that. It, that's essentially all that it is. Anybody who wants to deliver something can have it delivered. Mm. It's just all about making sure that your process fits the model. Mm. Gotcha. Simple as that. Easy. And that's and that's why you've seen all these other verticals come on board because they see how we what we do can fit into it, right? That's how you see PetSmart is delivering. It's dog food. All those things can be packaged in a box or in a bag that can be sealed, tamper-proof. I can come and pick it up and take it to where it's going. So, it's really, and, and another thing too is the inventory of it, managing the inventory properly to make sure that as these things are coming out, either you have an abundance of it so it's always available or you're managing it properly so that it's not there and someone thinks they can get it and it's not. Gotcha. So what do you think about the cigar? You're just about halfway through. I mean, I can feel it. Reed's damn near done. What's that mean? <laughs> I can feel it. I'm, I mean, I'm saying it. It's a Tuesday morning. And I'm feeling real good. I, <laughs> I know it don't feel like this on a Tuesday morning, but, <laughs> but I mean, I'm in good shape. So you know, could you play around after this? Another one? Like the way you? I could play. How, how well I play would be the question. I could but function. You know, the beautiful thing about cigars, like you say, you can feel it in about 30, 45 minutes after smoking. Be gone. And that's the thing, too, with, with anything that I do involving golf, the impairment process, right? So yeah, yeah. that's why I typically, and it's like my, my boy Jeremy does it all the time. We, depending on what that round looks like at that turn is whether I'm going to get that drink or, you know what I'm saying, but like that stick. The scorecard yeah. will dictate oh, yeah. what I do oh, next. Oh, yeah. You got a joke. Somebody get a double bogey or a triple, we like, oh, man, it's time to light up. Crack it. Light up. Crack it. Exactly. Yeah. And so that's what I'm saying. I could definitely play no, no problem. Um, it's just about, and it's just one of those things where I, I, I stopped doing it and I just never picked it back up. Um, but you know, I could, I could definitely play again. I can always play again. You can't tell me I got to be sleep to not play golf. I, mm. That's just something I love to do. I, if I could do it every day, yeah. I would. Yeah. yeah. We got a, so I'm, I kind of got like two separate groups, right? I mean, family, our trip, the golfer bros, that group, but I have guys there's similar personalities in both groups, like you say, Jeremy. Right. The way the way Jeremy, if he's if he's hitting it and he's scoring, come to turn, he don't want nothing. Mm. He don't want mm. no beer, no drink, no smoke. He's a tactician, no man. He's he's a guy. He just he's locked in. He and he doesn't want anything. You know, whatever I start with, I, if I'm playing good, then nothing needs to change. Whatever the music is, keep that music going mm. at that volume. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. Like nothing <laughs> nothing needs to change. And he's a, and Jeremy's one of those guys where it's like. It don't. It, it doesn't matter. If he's got a shot, and it's gonna take him a minute or two to figure out what he's gonna do. Y'all gonna have to wait. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> we put him on the clock all the time. Hey, bro, you gotta go. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but, but, but he don't care. He just look at you. You have to wait. Yeah. But his mindset is like Doc. Right. If Doc is hitting it and he's he he got some good scores, some good holes, you know, I'd be like Doc, good shot. He'd be. Yeah. yeah. In a zone. He, he's in, in that zone, zone, right? Yeah. Shout out to Doc. <laughs> but, you know, I told Doc one day, good shot, Doc. He was, yeah, I know. I'm like, okay, I won't say nothing else to <laughs> but he was, But he was he was stroking good that yeah. day. I think he ended up shooting like, you know, mid-80s. Right. Which is, you know, yeah. good for us. Absolutely. So, um, that's, just, that's just what it's about here at the 19th. I mean, we... We love the game. We love good sticks. We love good coffee. We love the camaraderie. Um, we love seeing each other grow. We want to build off what everybody's got have going. Um, we're just about at time. Um, 
Wayne, thanks for coming on. Me, this is, I think this is definitely a, a vehicle that needs to be uh, put out there, and, and I think it'll bring more people to the game. I think it'll and it'll put a shine on a different light, right? I think yeah. a lot of times there's a people think golf is something, but you just you can never know until you play, right? Right. And so maybe this is the introduction to some people who don't know. Absolutely. That could and I definitely, me. I'm gonna say it. I mean, I definitely want to see more of us. Yeah. In the game. Right. Because um, we're just athletic naturally, and yes, it, it it is an expensive sport. I will say that it's it's not by all means it's nothing to you know shake a blind eye at. Um, but uh, I do want to see more of our, our young boys and girls get into the game. Uh, it definitely provides a lot of opportunities. But to me, the biggest thing for golf is just the, the fellowship, the networking, the relationships being built. I mean, you've met guys traveling that would you say you would have met anywhere else? Oh, you no, same no. thing anywhere no. else? I, no. I was telling this story. I went to Mexico in November. And I was playing by my, my wife was in the car playing by myself. Another guy uh, and his wife were kind of getting bumped up. The group in front of him, we get paired together. Now, mind you, we're playing a golf course in Cabo, Mexico. The guy ends up being from Sugarland, hmm. owns a plastics manufacturing company, uh, and his wife owns an interior design company here in Sugarland. And, you know, ended up talking and talking about golf and talking about, you know, Houston and all that. And my thing is just random, right. but. The fact that you can meet people in that space, yeah, and not only meet them in that space, but operate in the same town, absolutely, absolutely, in another country, right? Yeah, you know, that's how John and I became best friends and business partners because we had a common interest in golf. His wife went to Prairie View. She said, "Hey, I want you to meet my husband." Shout out, shout out, Prairie View Panthers. And here we are, twenty something years later, in business, yeah, in business, so that's what it's about. Any closing remarks? No, man, I'm good. I just want to enjoy the rest of this cigar. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> talk about how much money you owe him. <laughs> I may I, I, I may owe him that. Like I, said, I don't know. I took a I took a step back for about a year and during that year he he soared. He yeah. he steady climbed. Um so I'm trying to get I'm trying to get back out of the out of the slump personally. But um we're about that time again. Um Wayne, thank thanks for coming, for man. Me. Thank y'all for having me. My first time at Stogies. I'm enjoying it. I like. I said that the whole cigar thing is is new, yeah. but I could, but I could definitely see something new like this and being around guys with a common interest. It really ain't even about the cigar, right? It's just about spending the time, That's and the cigar is just, it's just a part That's of it. Right? The fellowship, the so, fellowship. I'm glad, I'm glad I got to uh, to come out. Thanks again. Uh, once again, thanks everybody. Once again, my name's Warren. My man Jay Reed, Mr. DoorDash himself, Wayne Turner. It's first person. Huh. You can be where you can beat me to the 19th hole, the 19th hole. You can be where you can beat me to the 19th hole, the 19th hole. I'm at the 19th hole, fellowshipping with a few folks. My game was on, so I won by a few strokes. Cognac and a few totes. We gon' talk about our views and let the news post. Whether a hole in one or a triple bogey. Sit down at the round table, get to know me. Black excellence, living holy. Golf carts get driven slowly while we picking stogies. We at the clubhouse for another episode. The shoes I wear when I play, they are retros. I got reach out in Pebble Beach. Find cigars and some leather seats, and you can let us be. You can meet me 
at the 19th hole, you can beat me there. Long as you know, you gon' see me there. Golf podcast for us. You can zoom in. You know where we'll be. Won't you tune in? Meet me, you can beat me to the 19th hole. The 19th hole. You can beat me, you can beat me to the 19th hole. The 19th hole.